Well, thank you, Jeff, for reading that. Uh, Several summers ago, many years ago, I did a a series called Hanging Out with God's Heroes in the Old Testament. And Noah was one of those heroes. We looked at the scripture that day, but it wasn't in Albanian. I can assure you that. What I'd like to do now for the next three weeks is hang out with some of God's heroes. And I want to make it clear at the very, very beginning that there's really only one hero in the Bible, and that's God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he used men and women throughout the Old Testament, and they become examples to us and for us. They, they point us to Christ. They encourage us in our walk with God and in the life of faith. And so this morning, I want to begin by looking at Noah, this passage of Scripture which uh, Jeff just read for us. And it was interesting, on Friday of this last week, I googled the phrase, greatest heroes in history. I typed that little phrase into my Yahoo window there on, on the internet on my computer, and I got 6,530 thousand results from that little phrase, greatest heroes in history. Books, websites, links, all of this stuff that took me to the greatest heroes in history. And so I took the time to print off one little list. And if you're curious, the big three in history, according to this list, and you got the notes, you can read them. The big three were George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR. And if you want to, and some of you are shaking your head, you don't agree with that list, and, you know, you got your own big three, and, and I understand that. You can go to other places. You can get other lists. But on this particular list, number four was Ronald Reagan. Number five was, um, or pardon me, Reagan was five, Churchill was four, and Alexander the Great was six. And what was interesting to me is that no Bible characters were even on the list. Nobody from the Old Testament, nobody from the New Testament, nobody made the top 100 on this list on this particular website. But I think there are a lot of heroes in the Old Testament, examples to us that do point us to Christ and encourage us in our faith. So I want to ask you as we're getting our feet wet this morning, are you like me? Do you have a big three? If you had to pick the top three Bible characters from the Old Testament that would be in your top three, who would they, who would they be? I can see your mind scrolling here. You're going through all of those Old Testament Bible stories you heard as you were growing up. Who would your top three be? Well, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 14 for just a moment. I want you to see something very interesting. Because I think God, at least in the book of Ezekiel, had a top three or he had the big three. And so what do we read here in Ezekiel chapter 14? Verse 14, and then look at verse 20 here in Ezekiel 14. And I'm actually going to be, begin reading with verse 12. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to me, 
Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it, and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it, and cut off from it man and beast, even of these three, even of these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They would deliver but their own lives. This is the ESV version. By their righteousness, declares the Lord God. Now look at verse 20. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. So here, for whatever the reason, God selects three men from the Old Testament as heroes of righteousness, examples of righteousness. These were his top three or his big three. So I want us to spend some time hanging out with some of these men over the next few weeks. And today we're going to begin with Noah. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Lord, at least in the book of Ezekiel, in this context of judgment, You had a top three, three men that you highlighted as examples for us of righteousness, Noah, Daniel, and Job. And so now this morning, as we look at Noah, and his name means rest, he points us to Christ, Lord, one of your big three. And as we look at his life, this passage which Jeff read for us, We ask, Lord, that you would open up your word. You're our teacher. Yes, you speak through human instruments, and you're speaking through many different pastors this morning. But one thing is common. This is your word, and this was your man, and he's he's your example to us. And so we ask that you'd teach us, Lord. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit as we seek to understand from your word what you would have us to to learn today from the life of Noah. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if Noah were here this morning, and this is graduation Sunday, what advice would he have for you and me? What advice would he have for Zach Hilton? What advice would he have for Andrew? What would he tell Lisa? What would he have to say to Meg? And what would he say to the rest of us? What can we learn from his life? Well, I think there are four pieces of advice that Noah would give us. And the first thing I want you to see in these verses and as we look at his life today is I think Noah would tell us, don't be afraid to trust God. Don't be afraid to trust God in and with your life. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 for just a moment. Turn all the way to the end of the New Testament. And notice what Noah is described as in this hall of faith that God gives us. The Bible tells us very clearly in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, by faith, Noah. Faith is trust. Faith is surrender. 
Faith is resting in God, and that's the meaning of this, this name, Noah. He rested in God. He trusted in God. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, underline that phrase in Hebrews eleven seven: things yet not, not yet seen. Out of holy fear or reverence, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, out of trust in God, he condemned the world and he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I think the first lesson from the life of Noah, whether you're a graduate this morning or just a common ordinary person sitting here, is he would be telling us, don't be afraid to trust God in your generation just as I trusted God in my generation. Don't be afraid to trust God. Now, look at how the world was described during the time of Noah. Look back up the page at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. These are three verses that Jeff didn't read for us. And I'm going to read these in English so you can understand them, okay? The Bible says... The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the, hearts of, his, uh, of the thoughts of his heart were evil all the time, only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I'm going to wipe out mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Now, I don't know how you feel when you read these verses, but to me, this is a dark, tragic picture of the kind of world that Noah was living in. And if you look at the kind of world that we're living in this morning, and if you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, or if you read Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 and 37, what Jesus described the world would be like before he returned, we're living in a world much like the world that Noah lived in. Our world is not much different than his world was. And so I don't know how this makes you feel as you read this description of the world that Noah was living in, but it was a dark, tragic picture. It was a broken world that he was living in at that time. And God became fed up, and he gave humanity, if you interpret verse 3 in chapter 6 in this way, and there's a couple of ways you can interpret verse 3 in chapter 6. But one of the possible ways to take this verse of Scripture is that God gave them 120 years. He said, I'm fed up. But he was a patient God. And if you read 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that he waited patiently in the days of Noah for people to repent. And so God gives them 120 years if you interpret the verse of Scripture this way. Because he's patient with them. He's not going to wipe them out right now, but he's going to take care of it if they don't repent. And so he gives them a period of time, but he's disappointed. And incidentally, I want to just segue for a moment here. If there's anybody in here that, that doubts the reality of the flood 
and doubts the reality of the life of Noah, look at the New Testament. Look at Matthew chapter 24, the verses I gave you. They're in your notes at the top of page 2. Look at, look at Luke chapter 17, and you will see that Jesus believed that Noah was a real person that lived in a real time, and there was a real flood that wiped out the world. And if you, if you take a look at the evidence, even outside of the Bible... There's a lot of good extra-biblical evidence that validates a worldwide flood. And so God actually did this, and this is a real person. And Noah has some advice for us this morning. Now, what would you do if you were living in Noah's day? If you were Noah or you were hanging out with him, you were living in his day, how would you respond? Well, I think the great temptation for me would have been to be afraid. And it's interesting to me that there are a lot of Christians today that I think are living in fear. They're living their lives in fear because we're living in a day, a world that's broken. It's a dark, tragic situation. And we don't know how, well, we do know how all this is going to end up because the Lord's returning and we know who wins the day and we, we know how, the, the, how it ends but, but we don't really know what tomorrow holds. And you know what happens in Europe right now almost on a daily basis. And we've got all kinds of stuff going on. And there's this great temptation to just live in fear and to just kind of cocoon and to go into hiding. And, and there are a lot of believers, I think, today that are, are, are living lives. That they're just trying to protect themselves, insulate themselves from the world around them. But if Noah were here today, I think what he would say, the first thing he would say to us is don't be afraid to trust God in your life. Don't be afraid to step out in faith and do what God asks you to do in this day, in this generation. And this is a very important lesson that we learned from his life and a, a word of guidance for graduates this morning. Can you imagine the situation? I mean, we've read the story. We, we know what happens, but can you imagine what it must have been like if you were Noah and God comes to you and he asks you to build this ark? And, and you're Noah and you know that God is real and you know that God is speaking to you. You're scratching your head and you say, now, wait a minute, God, do I have this picture right? You want me to build a boat that's as, uh, as long as, as one and a half football fields. I mean, we're talking about a ship here with three decks. Did you listen to the words that Jeff read for us this morning? Were you reading along? Three decks here. This is a three-decker ship. One and a half lengths of, of a football field. 75 to 91 feet wide, 45 to 54 feet high, depending on what, what a biblical cubit is. And it, it wouldn't make sense. I mean, you're looking around and there's no rain. And yet he's asking you to trust him. And isn't that the acid test in all of our lives? God may not come to you and ask you to build a boat like he asked Noah to build a boat, but God taps us on the shoulder, doesn't he? And he asks us to step out in faith with him. He asks us to step out in faith. And Lisa, you're shaking your head this morning, and, you know, I've talked to you, and you've got plans, and you're talking to Bud, and... And I'm, but you're a lady of faith. And I know you want to serve the Lord. 
And he does that with all of us, whether we're Lisa or whether we're Noah or whether we're Randy or Jeff, who gave 10 years of his life in Albania. Don't be afraid to trust God. And so Noah trusts God. And notice that his faith resulted in obedience. You can't separate the truth too. Look on your, your little insert in your bulletin this morning and look at all the verses of Scripture we gave you there out beside point number one. I would encourage you to look up every one of those verses on that little piece of paper. I'm going to read just a couple of them for you right now. Listen to what they say. Noah did everything. He built the boat according to specs, according to specifications. In every detail, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Thus, Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did, the Bible said. Genesis 6, verse 22. And Noah did all the Lord commanded him. Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. And we already read Hebrews eleven seven by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. And that's where the trust comes in, doesn't it? When warned of things not yet seen. Underline that phrase. Because there's going to be times in your life when God will come to you and he'll tap you on the shoulder and you don't see it. You don't see it yet. And that's what faith is. Because you couldn't trust him if you saw it. And he's going to ask you to do something. And he'll ask you to step out in faith. And when he does, don't be afraid to trust him. And do what he asks you to do. Build it to the, to, to the specs in every detail. Do what he commands you. Trust and obey. For there's no other way, right? Just open your hymn book for just a moment to 349. 349 in your hymn book. Can we sing it together? Verse 1. We won't sing it all, but let's just sing verse 1 together. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and There it is. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Don't be afraid to trust him. Even if you don't see it, step out on a faith and obey God. Do what he asks you to do. Now, the second piece of advice that I think Noah would give us this morning 
is don't be afraid to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand up for God. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. And notice that Noah found favor in God's eyes. And we read in verse 9 that this is the generations of Noah. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless. He was different than everybody else in this generation among the people of his time. And he walked with God. And you know what that means to walk with God? That means that you're willing to orient your life around God. You're willing to make him the center. You see, that's one of the problems I think that that I have in my own life and that I think we have in in our country today is we we sometimes we get out of step with God and we we, we don't want to orient our lives around him. We, We don't want to center our lives on him. And there's a lot of Christians that call themselves Christians but they're not walking with God. They don't center their life on God and make God the center of their lives and and center their lives around God. Noah walked with God. He centered his life around God. And so he he was righteous and he was blameless. That doesn't mean that he was perfect. It just means he was loyal. He was faithful to God. That Hebrew word, we've got the words there for in your notes on page three. It means that he was a man of integrity. He was complete. This is the, he was without blemish. This is the same word used of the Passover lamb in, in Exodus chapter 12, verse five, without blemish or fault. He was consistent. He wasn't one thing one day and another thing another day because he centered his life around God. He wanted to live for God with his life. He was different than people in his generation. And that means that he he stood out. He stood up and he stood out in his generation. People knew he was different. He was a, a different kind of guy on the block that he lived on. And he wasn't afraid to stand up for God like Daniel that we're going to look at next week on Father's Day, another one of God's big three. He was willing to stand up for God and stand out in the crowd. He was like a sparkling diamond in the darkness of his generation. Now, there will be some times in your life where God will come and he will ask you to do something. And if you're willing to do it, And now I'm talking to you you graduates, okay, for a moment. If you're willing to do it, if you're willing to do it, then you're going to be different. And you will, if you're willing to do that, whatever God wants you to do to say that or do that, you will stand out when you stand up. And people will ridicule you and they will laugh at you And you may not be the most popular person in the school hallway. And you may not be the most famous person in your neighborhood. But it's the right thing to do, to stand up for God. Don't be afraid to stand up for God in this generation as Noah stood up for God in his generation. And incidentally, when you stand up, sometimes God will ask you to speak out. 
Look at 2 Peter again. The verses are there on page 3. I think it's 2 Peter chapter 3. It's interesting that Noah, pardon me, it's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Noah in that verse of Scripture is described as God's herald. You know what a herald is? A herald is a preacher. He was a proclaimer, a preacher of righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that he stood behind a pulpit like I am this morning, but he wasn't afraid to speak up. He wasn't afraid to identify himself with, with, with his God. He was a herald of righteousness to his generation. And so I think that was, would be his second piece of advice to us this morning. Don't be afraid to stand up for God. And sometimes that will mean speaking, and sometimes that will mean living in a certain way, practicing what you preach, preaching what you practice, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Advice, piece of advice number three, don't be afraid to worship God. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. This is interesting to me as as you study the, the life of Noah here. Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. What is the first thing that Noah does when he steps off this boat is the the, the floodwaters begin to subside and God finally gives him clearance to, to, to get out of the boat. Well, the first thing he does is he builds an altar. The Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 8 in the book of Genesis, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Now, if you do the math, he was in that boat for one year and 10 days. From the 17th day of the second month of Noah's 600th year to the 27th day of the second month of Noah's 601st year. From 600 to 601 and 10 days, he's in that boat. And notice that he's in the boat even after the floodwaters start to subside It looks like it's safe to get out of the boat, and yet God keeps him in that boat, I think, for another four months. For another four months, he has to stay in that thing. Now, can you imagine being in a boat with all of those animals? This is reality now, okay? All of these animals for one year and 10 months. I would build an altar, too, when I got off the boat. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, I'm off this boat. Over a year, somebody said one time, Noah was a brave man to sail in a wooden boat with two termites, (laughs) two of every kind. Now, maybe God has not brought you through something as cataclysmic as the Noahic flood, Noah's flood, this worldwide flood. But has God ever brought you through something in your life, some kind of cataclysmic crisis, some time of difficulty? Noah's here to remind us this morning, when he does, don't forget to worship God. Build an altar. One of the things that I love to do in my Bible is is underline and write dates when the Lord you know, in my quiet time, and I just feel like, okay, Lord, this is for me. You had this, this for me today, and so I'll date it. 
And I, I'm thinking this morning of one of the Psalms when we were in New Zealand, honey, that morning that we were there, that the sunshine was coming through the windows and I'm sitting there at the breakfast table and we ate that fish. What was that stuff they gave us? It was, ah, uh, <laughs> this raw fish of some kind. And uh, you, were, you told them that we'd eat it. But anyway, and just we were praying and we were seeking God with our lives and I didn't know how it was going to end up and I was praying about, well, maybe, Lord, you want, us, you want me to leave Nebraska. So I wrote the dates there. And look at this. Here I am in New York this morning and well, it's going to be exciting to see what God does next, you know, and it's going to be exciting to, to, to listen to what God's going to do in the life of this church in the next 10 years. But when God does it, when God leads you, Whatever it is that he takes you through, for Noah, it was the flood. Don't forget to build an altar. Date it. Those dates are markers. Those are times of thanksgiving and praise and worship. And you know what I'm talking about. You've done the same thing in your quiet times. And you've got dates just like I've got dates. But it's important that we, we, we pause to praise. He burns these burnt offerings on this altar This is the first uh, episode recorded in the book of Genesis of the building of an altar, but it's not the last time. Eight times in the book of Genesis, we find Abraham and Isaac and Jacob building altars to God. It's important to build an altar, to pause to praise and worship God. Thank him for what 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 he's doing in your life and how he's leading you. These are special times of worship. And so, so Noah does that, and he's a, an example to us of praise and thanksgiving and adoration. Notice that it was out of reverent fear that he built the boat. Out of reverence and fear. You know what that tells me? That all of his life was an altar time. It wasn't just about building an altar on one occasion, one time. But everything he did was worship, because that's what worship is. It's all of life. The praise songs we do on Sunday morning are just meant to whet our appetite, to, to, to get us out of here, to, to live a life of worship. So don't forget to build an altar and worship God with your life. And then the last piece of advice this morning is always remember to stay at it for God with your life. Now, do the math. And I may be off a little bit, but look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. How old was Noah, according to to verse 32 in chapter 5? 500 years old, right? And after he was 500, he had his three sons. Look at verse 3 in chapter 6. God's going to be patient with this generation for 120 years before he judges them. Look at verse... 6 of chapter 7, look at verse 11 in chapter 7. Now, depending on when God came and spoke to Noah the first time, and I don't know when he, when he spoke to him the first times, so I don't know if I'm perfect in my math here, but it was a long time that Noah was building this boat, and he was waiting a long time after he built the boat for God to send that, those floodwaters. So can you imagine 120 years of persecution 
120 years of neighbors staring at you, waiting. Can you imagine 120 years of newspaper reporters wanting an interview from this lunatic that's built this boat that tells us that the flood is coming? 120 years of being the oddball on the block. 120 years of ordinary days. 120 years of going back to the hardware store to talk to Dennis Stanton and get more nails. 120 years of trying to keep the neighbor kids off the boat. That's lots of bugs and colds and viruses and bad days and mountaintops and valleys. Oh, Henry said that life is made up of sobs and sniffles and smiles with sniffles predominating. Life is filled with sniffles and ups and downs. And sometimes it gets long. It's a long time. And you know, the temptation as Christians sometimes is to check it in, to cash it in, and to give up. But Noah's life to us this morning is a testimony to never give up, to stay at it with and for God decade after decade after decade, faithfulness to God. Don't forget to stay at it for God. That's perseverance and patience. And I was thinking of this, and we're going to wrap it up now. Noah was both persevering and he was patient. What's the difference in the two? Think about it. What's the difference between perseverance and patience? To go 120 years and wait for that flood, Noah had to stick with it and stay at it. He was persevering, but he was also patient. Patience is the ability to wait on God and to wait for God, to submit to God's plan and his timing. What? You mean I can't get off the boat yet? It looks like the waters are, 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 are subsiding. What do you mean? I see dry ground out there. Sometimes God's time isn't our time. But God's got it right. Do what he says. He was patient. He was willing to wait four more months and follow God. Patience is, is pliability. Patience is giving up, surrendering. Perseverance is tenacity. Perseverance is keeping on. But now here's, here's the, the, the biblical insight. You can't persevere unless you're patient. The two are interrelated. You've got to have both to stay at it and to stay with it for God over the long haul. And so I think that's the last piece of advice that Noah would give us this morning. And if you study the lives of God's great heroes, all the way from Corey Ten Boom to William Wilberforce and Christopher Columbus, who may have been a believer, and Amy Carmichael, and all of the people in the Bible, they became heroes because they stayed at it and they stayed with it for the Lord. And so Noah's guidance for each of us this morning as graduates or wherever we are on the roadmap of life, I think he would have four things to say to us. I'll review them very quickly and then we'll close in prayer.
If Noah were standing in front of you right now instead of me, he would say, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to trust God. Don't be afraid to stand up for God. And don't forget to build some altars of worship along the way. And always remember, no matter what happens, no matter whatever comes at you, stay at it. Stay at it all the way to the end for God. Let's bow together in prayer.